Welcome to Witch Yes, a podcast for casual conjurings, witches in training in season six. We are back, baby. I'm Alicia Herter. And I'm I'm just Tara. <laughs> I'm Tara and I'm here. This year she drops her last name. Just Tara. <sighs> yeah, it's like Cher. On today's episode, the book, Aradia, or the Gospel of Witches. And that's it. That's it, baby witches. That's it. That's our episode. New season, new me. I mean, same us. But new us at the same time. So to level with all of our beautiful Baby Witch listeners, Tara and I went into this season being like, we want to do this. We want to continue doing this. But we need to figure out how to do this in a way that reduces the stress level of doing each episode. Mm -hmm. And for that to happen, we decided that for this season, we're going to cut Witches in the News and the Spell just to save our energy. We can have a moment of silence, have a big Mm-hmm. Okay, now cut it out. Okay, we're moving on. We only go forward. <laughs> but we hope it'll be good for you and I hope it'll be good being able to pump out more episodes, being able to like talk about more topics in depth because sometimes Alicia and I had to cut content because the episodes were getting too long. Absolutely. So I'm excited. It's a new year, a new reign for Witches. Mm-hmm. We're six. We're like in first grade, aren't we? Are we in first grade or kindergarten? What age do you go to kindergarten? I started kindergarten at four, but I think that was abnormal. I think that was abnormal. Like what? I'm like Matilda. Yeah. <laughs> Just a magical little girl trying to learn mm-hmm. her ABCs. Trying so hard. All these big boys all around me. Oh, my hey, God. Yeah. All those kindergartners with like mustaches. Hey, babe. <laughs> and guns. Oh, no. and like really risky twitter accounts i know oof yikes jump out of there all right so it is a new year so what tara is your new year's resolution what is 2024 gonna give you besides being your fucking bitch what's happening what are we manifesting so my resolutions for this year i have two one first one is to do the splits which has been a long-standing goal of mine that I've never dedicated enough time to, which I'm very excited about. I'm already feeling very, like, flexy, and it's a very nice, like, sort of, like, soft goal, mm-hmm. right? My second resolution is to say hi to someone in my neighborhood at least once a day. Ooh, that sounds tough. Are people going to think you're, like, crazy? You live in Brooklyn. That's why I think it sounds tough. So here's the deal. I have a dog. Mm-hmm. And the most reliable high you can get is from someone else walking their dog. Okay. Because there is this kind of like camaraderie among dog people where you're like, you're out, you're cold, you don't want to be here, you, you've held feces in the past like 10 to 15 minutes, um, or you're going to, it's coming any moment, it will arrive. Mm-hmm. So that's like a pretty easy one. However, my neighborhood has a lot of like families and like older people in it. And they all say hi to each other. And I'm kind of like, I want to be a part of that. Mm. And the first step to that is just saying, hi, good morning. And you know how many people, they say good morning and they smile and then they keep smiling? That's how you know it's a real smile. It's like the smile lingers. And so I do think, I don't know, it's one of my goals. God, that seems hard. Are you my mom? No, I think that's impressive. Thank you. Okay. I read an article like it wasn't an article. It was on Instagram. So it was two sentences. But about how saying hi to people is like a small joy of your life. And it actually is really good for your mental health to even just like say hi to a stranger each day. Mm-hmm. So I love that for you. I wrote that article. Oh, well, that makes sense. Thank you for keeping it two sentences long so that I could read the whole thing. Yes, I, under- I understand, yeah, the um, retention and uh, audience engagement that most people require. Mm-hmm. I'm a witch on the go, you know. I have nowhere to go, but she going anyway. What is your 2024 resolutions? So I've been thinking 
Last so year was, I can dunk on them too. Yeah, you can dunk. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I would never do this. This is year six. It's vicious. <laughs> we start fighting. <laughs> we start viciously fighting each other. That'd be so much fun. Like, what if we did like a cage match? You and me, head to head. I don't know if I could come back from that. Like, emotionally, physically, spiritually. With teeth. I don't know. Probably. Oh. No, no, no. We can't. You don't hit the face. We respect each okay. other enough. It's below the neck. Yeah, in the dick. In the dick only. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, last year, my resolution was all about abundance. And I think it did pretty well. I'm feeling, you know, pretty abundant with opportunities, moving to L.A., a lot of friendships. Honestly, four weddings to go to this year. So maybe too much abundance. It might have actually bitten me in the ass a little bit. But with that thinking, like, okay, well, that went so well. I'm like, just like this podcast, let's cut the fat. Let's fortune. Fortune is going to be, fortune's the word, baby. Yeah. Let let it rain riches. But also fortune's fun because it has dual meaning. It could be fortune money or fortune luck. Yes. Yeah. And it is more pointed, right? It feels fortune being fortunate. Mm -hmm. It has like a, um, a positive connotation where you can be abundant with spiders. (laughs) Cockroaches. (laughs) El cucarachas. You could be. Mm -hmm. Uh, The plague. Abundance. Yes. Abundant. Abundant with um, strange men hanging outside your apartment, hoping you'll say (laughs) hi to them. Which you might now. I'm going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be friends with all those motherfuckers out there. I love that. I love this. Thank you. And I love yours, too. Thanks for saying that. What are you doing to do the splits? Are you like stretching every day? Do you have like a system down? Yeah, so so I've kind of manifested that I'm going to take another full year off of work and continue working on my art full time. And with that, I've been a little more thoughtful about my morning routine. So Mm -hmm. now I'm doing about 15 to 25 minutes of yoga every morning. And right now I'm just focusing on um, like warming up the joints and Mm -hmm. then I'm moving like pretty quickly into hip openers in February, which are like the ones that are just like releasing the tension in your hips. Okay, so first the splits. Next, you're going to death drop. I can't wait. There's going to be a whole progression for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fantastic. First the splits, then the shits, then the tits. Oh, tits could probably come first. (laughs) You got the tits, then the splits, and then you tit split and shit Mm -hmm. all the way Mm -hmm. home. Saying hi wee, to wee, whoever wee. you see. Saying, <laughs> saying hi. And they're like, oh, no. Here she comes again. I love that. Well, baby witches, let us know what you're manifesting this year. I'm all about community support, keeping you to your word. You have to stick to your word if you're going to say it. And speaking of community, we did want to shout out of just like the most darling review we got recently um, that Marcel brought to our attention. This review says, amazing, magical podcast. I recently discovered this podcast about a month ago. Oh my gosh, you have so much content you could get through. When I was looking for some info into Italian folklore about La Bafana, I found an episode about her that Witch Yes had made and so much more. I feel like I'm part of a community again after a lot of time being rather solitary. Thank you for the amazing stories, a plethora of laughs, and great magical tips. Every single time I listen, it makes my day. I want to shout out Yana. Sometimes it feels like we're screaming into the void, and it is so sweet when the void screams back with smiley faces. I love that. Thank you so much. That was so sweet. And I mean, guys, give us five stars. Write us a review. I think we're going to try to bring back reading reviews at the beginning of each episode. If you have something fucking nice to say. Or... You got something fucking weird to say, but there's five stars attached. We'll also say the weird. Yeah. I'll say anything you want. But honestly, you can even make this a little magical moment. Put your manifestation as your review. Five stars. Throw that magic into the universe. I love this idea. And we read it on the podcast and then it comes true. We are the genies. You just got to rub me the right way, honey. And one more piece of witchy housekeeping, which is baby witches. Our Patreon is so thick, juicy. It's pulsating. It's veiny, just Ooh. like filled with a deep sacks of oh my so many extra. She's like, please Where stop. is this going? I was trying to do an alien thing. Oh, it was only penis related. That was the <laughs> only imagery I had the whole time. 
And baby witches, one extra piece of witchy housekeeping. I just want to rep our Patreon, which has over 100 extra episodes. For $5 a month, you get two extra episodes a month, plus our entire back catalog. Has so many amazing topics. Last week, we talked about our year ahead astrology for 2024. We talked about not just like the astrology, but also the numerology. And then next week, we're talking about a very spooky laugh in the dark episode. So head over there. You can check out the link in our show notes for $5 a month. You get two extra episodes plus over a hundred other episodes. And Alicia and I kind of use this as a space to talk about shit that isn't, you know, it's witchy, but it's also other weird shit that we're into. Weird, kinky. Oh, sometimes it's just gossip. Sometimes it's just talking about people that we think are making decisions. <laughs> they are making decisions. Are they good decisions? Are they bad decisions? Well, who's to say? But I can't even believe that we already have 100 episodes on our Patreon. That's so crazy. Let's get into it. So today we're talking about Aradia or the Gospel of Witches, which is one book that's the title of the book. Yes. And I promise we're not becoming a boring podcast that only talks about books. Promise. We're not two best friends that are going to drone on and on about books. We're two best friends that are going to drone on and on about how brothers and sisters are fucking each other. (laughs) For witchy reasons? How could this be? Okay, you brought this to my attention. You brought this up as a topic. Yes. Do you remember where you heard this, like about this book? I can only imagine that there is some podcasts somewhere that like lightly mentions it. I mean, I do feel like it is in the ether of like this kind of like early Wicca, like Victorian era mysticism. But the thing about Aradia is that it's interesting because it kind of goes underground for like half a century. Then it kind of develops this like, legendary like secretive text energy about it it's very interesting since it's a what is this a 139 page book (laughs) but it's very deep very mystical very deep it's like a chick track yeah you know okay so aradia or the gospel of witches is a book by folklorist charles g leland published in 1899 so this book's been around for a second not too long but a second a good second Tara and I spent our winter breaks both reading this book. Did you read it or did you listen to it? No, I read it. Oh, she read it. She got the book. I like highlighted and underlined and made notes in the margins. And like I mentioned, it's a pretty fast read, about 139 pages in a large font. So they were very considerate in terms of making this book. In fact, they may have just been trying to get more pages added to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It also has an Italian to English translation in different portions. So really, you're probably reading less than 100 pages if you skip over the Italian parts. Because if you don't know Italian, why are you reading the Italian parts? And just the little cherry on top, this book was about $6.50. So it's not terrible on the bank account either. Yeah. And it's kind of, there's so many like kind of different covers and aesthetics to them that I do feel kind of like mysterious having it on my shelf. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. You have someone over and they're like, what is this book? I'm excited one day when someone's going to have like a kid. She's going to be like 11 and she's going to go to Auntie Tara's house and be like, what is this magical book about? And then discover the secrets of the universe. That's like my favorite thing to do at people's parties is go and look at their bookshelf and be like, oh, so this is who you think you are. (laughs) I love that. The stories in the book were believed to be the religious text of a group of pagan witches from Tuscany, Italy. Its 15 chapters portray the origins, beliefs, rituals, and spells of Italian witchcraft. The central figure of that religion is the goddess Aradia, who came to Earth to teach the practice of witchcraft to peasants in order for them to oppose their feudal oppressors and the Roman Catholic Church, which fucking metal, right? Yeah, hell yeah. All right, here is her story. This is the gospel, otherwise known as Vangelo, of the witches. Diana greatly loved her brother, Lucifer, the god of the sun and of the moon, the god of light, who was so proud of his beauty and who for his pride was driven from paradise. Diana had by her brother a daughter, to whom they gave the name of Aradia or Herodias. In those days, there were on earth many people rich and many people poor. 
The rich made slaves of all the poor. In those days, many slaves were cruelly treated. Many escaped, and they became thieves and evil folk. Instead of sleeping by night, they plotted escape and robbed their masters, and then, you know, killed them. So they dwelt in the mountains and forests as robbers and assassins, all to avoid slavery. Which I get it. I love a good revenge story. Oh, yeah, don't we all? Diana then teaches Aradia witchcraft to protect all those robbers, assassins, and thieves. And Aradia teaches it to some of her pupils who then become witches. So that's the story. That's the gist. And the book has a few spells, including how to consecrate meals for Diana, a love spell, and a few stories about Diana. And honestly, there's surprisingly very little information about Aradia herself. Aradia is basically a vessel used to talk more about Diana. So I don't even know why Leland titled the book this way. You saying that, like, just, like, set up a light bulb. It's almost like Aradia is, like, a Jesus-esque character. But, like, him being his own dad is, like, a major, like, even bigger part of it. Yeah. That, like, talking about Diana through this avatar, almost. Leland talks about Aradia a few times. Like, a few. But it is mostly Diana, 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 Diana. Yeah. Like, kind of trying to affirm that, like, no, she's she's important. This is real because Diana is kind of the only historical part of this. There are some really cool Diana stories in this book. There's one with Diana that has a bit of a Genesis spin to it, which any of the listeners of the podcast know. I'm a big Genesis biblical fan fiction fan. Yes, she enjoys it. <laughs> so sit down, my children. It's story time. Diana was the first created before all creation. In her were all things. Out of herself, the first darkness. She divided herself into darkness and light. She was divided. Lucifer, her brother and son, ew, herself and her other half, so some kind of twin thing going on there, he was the light. And when Diana saw that the light was so beautiful, she yearned for it with exceeding desire. That desire was the dawn. So in a, in a metaphor sense, Diana's the night and Lucifer is the sun. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. beautiful. But Lucifer, the light, fled from her and would not yield to her wishes. So Diana went to the fathers of the beginning, to the mothers, the spirits who were before the first spirit, and lamented unto them that she could not prevail with Lucifer. They told her that to rise, she must fall. To become the chief of goddesses, she must become a mortal. Ooh, I love this. Like some kind of magical girl transformation scene about to happen. Yeah, very much like Serena being the goddess of the moon or whatever and coming down into like her earth avatar. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. And it came thus that Diana took the form of a cat, which I love cats. I love this story. So Diana, the kitty cat, went to Lucifer and laid beside him. And at night, she transformed and really laid beside him. Oh, my. So that Aradia would be conceived. Scandalous. Lucifer was fucking pissed. Rightfully so. He kind of got duped there. Yeah, dude, no means no. Try to revenge of the nerds, me? What the hell? But Diana sings him a song and uses her wiles of witchcraft to charm Lucifer and gets him to love her. It's unethical, but I guess it gets the job done. So Diana's hanging out in the world as a mortal. And one night at a meeting with fairies and sorceresses, Diana claims to be the most powerful witch. Everyone else is like, yeah, right. We don't even know her. We've never heard of her. Who is she? Dia, Dia who? So Diana declares that she would darken the heavens and turn all the stars into mice. And these motherfuckers were like, if you can do that, we will make you our queen. Sure. Sounds terrifying as fuck. So guess what this bitch did? She took the bladder of an ox and cut the earth, which made many mice come out of it, which she grabbed and filled into the bladder. And then she blew into the bladder like a balloon until it burst gross dude and there came a great marvel for the earth which was in the bladder became the round heaven above and for three days there was a great rain the mice became the stars and the rain and having made the heaven and the stars and the rain diana became the queen of the witches 
But isn't that so poetic? Like, imagine, like, these little tiny scurrying white, like, creatures. It's like, and that became the sparkling of life all around us. It is beautiful. That's the space dust that we're all made out of. Huh. We're all made of mice. Mice turds. Little tiny mice. Just teeny tiny little mice operating our I've brains. I've always known this. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, I've connected to this. I am a mouse. Another Diana story that I really enjoyed was titled Diana as Giving Beauty and Restoring Strength. Here's how this one goes. This one this is was also a little crazy. Okay, good. I, I like. I highlighted one. the whole thing for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a young man in Monteroni that was so ugly. He fucking fugly as hell. His makeup was terrible. <laughs> so he was the punchline to most jokes. And I mean this like genuinely. In this book, it describes this man named Gianni and says that he was so ugly that when a stranger came to town, the villagers would show him off because he was like the ugliest thing anyone seen. He was like a tourist attraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like li- worse than the bearded lady. He's worse than like that woman that birthed rabbits. <laughs> and that one they're was like, wild. here's our fucking ugly man. And they're like, oh my God. He's so ugly. Ah! Gianni, I guess, was in on the joke. He was ugly. Like, that's for certain. That's been stated so many times in this chapter. He was very, very ugly. But this guy, he was fucking rich. So he had some swagger. He had a lot of confidence. And Gianni's dream was to one day marry a beautiful young lady of rank, like a beauty and the beast sort of situation. And Gianni had his heart set on a girl. She was described as a blonde bombshell, but given no name, which is very anti-feminist, so we're going to call her Sally. Gianni was obsessed with Sally. She's gorgeous, blonde, high rank, the perfect wife, honestly. But Sally was, you know, a real girl. And she knew that even though Gianni was rich, he was the ugliest man in town. She's not going to marry that guy. Yeah. So embarrassing. It doesn't matter how funny you are. Exactly. And I was just going to say, I don't even think Gianni had a sense of humor at this point. Oh, my God. He's boring and ugly. He's just rich. And Gianni was obsessed with her, like saltburn obsessed, very obsessed. And he kind of also maybe stalked her a bit, hanging around her house, hoping to see her, probably a bit of a peeping Tom. Would he kidnap her? That's what the story alluded to. So it may be on his mind. Also, just traits that aren't going to interest a woman. Yeah, this is not how you... I don't know why all these men in, like, Greek and, like, ancient stories are like, yeah, then I, like, turned her into a swan and I kept her in a cage for a thousand years. And they had bird sex. Yeah, I don't know. So weird. Why doesn't she like me? (laughs) And so this is where Gianni fucks up. Sally had a cat. And every time Gianni came around, this cat yowled and screamed with alarm because this cat was like, this is the ugliest motherfucker I've ever seen. I got to alert everyone in the area. There is a monster outside. <laughs> Gianni's annoyed, but he has a reckoning. Dude, why am I scared of a fucking cat? So you know what he does? He's like, we're going to go back to plan A, baby. Kidnapping. So he takes a ladder and brings it to Sally's house. He puts the ladder up to her bedroom window because he knows which window is her bedroom window. He's a fucking perv. He's been stalking her for months. And as he climbs up the ladder, an old lady comes out. This woman says, yo, she ain't into you, boy. Like, go home and look in a mirror because you are mortal sin in human form. And you know what Gianni did? He packed it up and went home, right? No. Oh, God. (laughs) I was hoping he would... uh... He said, fuck you, bitch, and climbed up the ladder faster. So what happens to a man when he doesn't listen? He gets turned to fucking stone. He's stuck on that ladder. Just an ugly statue of a man on a ladder. That is so prone, right? You can see right up his little dress skirt or whatever Mm -hmm. they wore back then. There's probably no undies there. Yeah, up his leotard. Okay, so Gianni realizes he got got. And he's actually ashamed of himself. This is fucking embarrassing. And he realizes he does deserve this punishment. He was kind of being a douche this entire time. And a criminal. Mm -hmm. Nearly a criminal. He shows remorse. And so he decides to make a final plea. He realizes that witchcraft is afoot, of course, and says he wants to repent for his sins and become a wizard. He will dedicate his life to serving the queen of the witches 
And maybe, maybe, if he ever redeems himself, the Witch Queen may teach him how to win over Sally, since Sally is actually, you know, a really nice girl, and he's obviously not worthy of her. The old woman undoes his curse, his statue curse, and he goes back to normal. And then she sends him on a long journey, which includes riding on the back of a cat, a grand castle filled with beautiful women who all want Gianni's dick. And he has to say no to all of them because he has to be pure for this one woman, Sally. And then there's also a horse that turns into a woman. It's kind of a buck wild little thing that goes on. Very like Odysseus style tale. Yeah. He's on the sea for a thousand years. And then he has to put a spell on a goat. And then that goat gets turned into a handsome man. But it really doesn't explain why. This little paragraph I just told you was basically that entire story in one little paragraph. It was kind of wild. After all of that, Gianni awakes in his bed. Was this a crazy fucking dream? Or was this a real thing? He doesn't know. But he goes to the mirror. And baby girl, this man's fucking hot now. Oh my God, that jawline. He's like as attractive and rich as Jacob Lordy now. So he went <laughs> to the witch Sally as a new man, a completely new man, one that she could be seen in public with. And they lived happily ever after. What was the moral of that story? Where is Aradia? <laughs> Who's Aradia? Who is? <laughs> I don't know that woman. Uh, what do you think? Okay, so I think... There are so many things wrong with it. But I think the overall part we're supposed to glean from it is if you dedicate your life to Diana, she will change your circumstances. Because that is kind of the theme of like, that's why the poor would go to her. She'd protect the poor. She'd Mm -hmm. tell the poor how to get rich. There was a lot of kidnapping, though, or no successful kidnapping, but a lot of intense on kidnapping. Yeah, And also intention of rape. Mm-hmm. Lots of lots of like weird sexual assaults, even like between Diana and her brother. Like this mm-hmm. whole book is kind of filled with this dark desires. Yes. And like in some ways, fulfilling your dark desires by dedicating your life to witchcraft in the worship of Diana. Mm-hmm. And that you got to walk through the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to do so. Try not to fuck ladies. I think the most interesting part of this story to me is they could have easily had the guy be poor. And then that makes sense. It's kind of like rags to riches. Of course, he's like a little delusional. Of course, like in stories, he doesn't have the like socialization. Like he doesn't know how he should go through life. And he finds Diana and she brings him up. It's interesting that he's just an ugly guy who's way too confident and he's rich. But maybe in some weird way, is it that that's more believable? That you can be the richest person in the world, but if you're still fucking ugly, no one wants to give you the time of day? Yeah, and your external vessel is important. How many stories do we have of like, no, puppy, I love him. I don't care if he's a poor tailor. I love him until the end of days. You will never, you will never marry that man, Chrysinthia. <laughs> but in those stories, at least, they're poor, but they're kind of cute. I also want to know, like, what is, because you know how people are like, like, there's 90s hot and 80s hot and like Mm -hmm. 1950s hot. What is whatever medieval, like early 8th century, how hideous do you have to be? There's like women fully with like cowpox scars all over their bodies. There's plague and people are still getting fucked. Like, how ugly do you have to be mm-hmm. in order for the townspeople to be like, hey, but we got this guy. Yes, go get brunch at this place. You know, we'll walk along the beach. Then we'll go see our fucking ugly dog shit, man. <laughs> You'll love it. It's great. I don't know. Ooh, that's a good question. Comment below. Tell us. How ugly do you have to be before Diana gives pity to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, normally she's like, yeah, robbers and people that are poor. This man, he has everything given to him in life, but he, fuck, dude, his skin. She's like, all the privilege in the world still can't help this guy. He's got this cottage cheese skin. She can't look at him in the light. (laughs) Can't look at him in the dark. Yeah, that's another thing. That's so scary. What I want to know, now that we've heard a few of the stories that came from Aradia, how does this hold up? Can we believe everything that we're told in this book? 
Should we believe it? To begin discussing how we feel about this text, Mm -hmm. you have to know a little bit more about where it comes from. So we talked about Charles Leland, but there's also a secondary person in the publishing of this book, which is a woman named Madalena. Now, like Alicia said, Charlie is a folklorist, and when he meets Madalena and starts working with her, he has a vested interest in these stories being true because it gives his previous books which are not doing very well in the publishing world, uh, a validity, right? And he mentions these books a lot in Aradia. He's like, my previous work on this and my previous work on that. Like, it's like almost, it's full of ads. It's so silly. It's like, well, if you want to read more about this, go to this book that I wrote. And you're like, no, I'm not, dude. Yeah, yeah. He's like, link in bio. He meets Madalena Talenti, sometimes referred to as Margarita. And um, here she is, buongiorno. The only photo I could find of her, it's on the Wikipedia page. So I actually can't confirm who this woman actually is. But this is like the image that they get. They're like, here she is. Here's the woman. And so she's standing here with just like the most powerful resting bitch face Mm -hmm. and the tightest fucking turf bangs. And she's kind of standing like three quarters and she's got this deck of playing cards. Just so if you had any questions about what kind of woman she is, she's a woman (laughs) of mystery. She's a gambling woman. And Madalena, she claims to be a witch of Etruscan descent. And the thing about Etruscans is that much like the Western view of the ancient Egyptians at this time, they are very mysterious and they continue to be. We know that they had a rich and prosperous civilization in northern Italy around 700 BC, but none of their historical texts survive and we really only have like a partial understanding of their written language. What little information we do have about them comes via like, nasty gossip from the Romans at the time, right? Mm -hmm. And then like these really sexual pottery pieces they keep digging up of like guys getting sucked off by goats. The Romans were into some weird shit and they wrote everything down. And they wrote everything down. But and it's it's very interesting because like I feel like Madalena saying that she is of Etruscan descent is very similar to like my grandma claiming she was Cherokee, where it's like, <laughs> how could you possibly know? That I couldn't, you know, I like could not fathom the idea of like being able to produce proof. And so in that way, of course I am a black Cherokee woman. It's like Virginia. Racial background aside, 1886, Charlie meets her, and through Madalena, he learns that not only Is there a secret surviving vein of folk witches that runs through Europe? But there is a surviving text that illustrates their religious beliefs. Like what? Like fucking jackpot, dude, right? You're like, I am the luckiest man in the... I can't believe I met you at a brothel. (laughs) And Charlie is like, you got to give me a copy of this manuscript, Maddie. And Maddie is like, sure, sure. Just give me, give me a second. And then ghosts him. (gasps) For 11 years. Iconic. I know. It's She's like, yes, yes, of course. Hold on. Just give me a second. <laughs> she runs away. Twirling down like the drain pipe. Yeah, she's like, she's in the Maldives. Like, <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll get you that book. Bye. Anyway, so Charles Leland, he writes her all of these letters being like, you're still going to give me that manuscript, right? And Maddie is like, yeah, yeah, sure, totally. Like probably sipping on a mojito. And eventually, January 1st, 1897, Happy New Year, Charlie gets a package in the mail. And it is a handwritten copy of Aradia, the Gospel of Witches. Okay, but what do you think she was actually doing during all of that time? Uh, getting her degree <laughs> in, um, in uh, computer technology. She's helping women vote. She's a staunch woman. She's a uh, suffragette. suffragette. Yeah. I don't know, probably wherever Helena Blavatsky is. Yeah. So within a few months, the text is translated from Italian to English, and it's sent to a publisher. And Charlie's voice is very present in this book, as we've said. He comes in as like this secondary narrator a lot. And from the tone of his writing, I am not sure how much actual critical research he did upon receiving this package from Madalena. The edition I got for formatting was prefaced by the professor Robert Matheson, And he notes that it's possible that after knowing Charles for over a decade, Madalena knew how to present this information in a context he would like. Mm. And so she knew what he wanted to hear. And that's what she told him. I wonder if she got paid to give this to him. I have no idea. I assume. But I don't know. Can women have money? Are they allowed to have money in the 1800s? They can't have property. 
I think they can have money, but they're not supposed to have money. Oh, yeah, it's secret. They got to, like, sew into their clothes. So the biggest indicator of this is that Aradia is literally the daughter of Lucifer, an Abrahamic character. So you're mixing this, like, very attractive, mysterious mythos of ancient Mediterranean, like Diana, and Christianity, Lucifer, okay? Which, like, duh, like what a weird fan fiction. But also delicious. I eat that shit up. In part of Aradia, Lucifer, the light bringer, is drawn as an Abrahamic duplicate to Apollo, the sun god. And that would make more sense, right? Like if this was like a Diana and Apollo together and they make this baby. But that's not what Madalena says. And other sections of Aradia do mirror like Catholic sacraments, but in like little witchy ways. If you're a desperate folklorist trying, like, you are in poverty and your shoes are made of leaves and your wife is getting ready to leave you and you just are so desperate to prove the existence of a magical witch religion, you would grab onto all of this as, like, I was right all along. The witches are real, right? Yeah, they have to be real. Or else, like, he's out of a job. His livelihood would be gone. Another bit of, like, spicy gossip about this book comes from Ronald Hutton. Ron is a historian that specializes in British pre-Christian paganism. He's a contemporary, like our contemporary. And a hundred years later, he writes this book called Triumph of the Moon, which I know nothing about because I have not read it. However, in the sections of this book that I found online, this dude just like comes out swinging against our boy Charlie with the proposition of either Aradia is a once-in-a-lifetime discovery of an undiscovered secret religion. Okay, brilliant. Or, Madalena fabricated a radia based on her experience as a fortune teller on the fringes of society. Okay, still interesting. Or, there is no Madalena. She never wrote anything because she doesn't exist, and Charles Leland fabricated all of it. It's a fever dream. Literally, yeah. It's his journal. It's his dream diary. I mean, maybe. I don't know how much they were looking into fact-checking in the 1890s. Absolutely. They were putting leeches on people. Yeah. Good point. Ron's main argument seems to be that Aradia pulls from ancient Greco-Roman early Abrahamic folklore and then skips a fucking bajillion years all the way up to the Victorian era. So we have a ton of folkloric tradition from the medieval era and surrounding on either side that time period, but it doesn't show up in Aradia. Like, look at how much Christianity has changed just in the past, like, 400 years since the Reformation. Religions, secret or otherwise, react to the world around them. And they have to do this in order to survive, right? You just can't, like, stay stagnant. You'll become irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And there's just no evidence of that desire for survival in Aradia. That's what Ron says. Ron, I wonder why he's like, I'm going to take Charles Leland down. I don't know. He's dead. I'm like, what did he do to you? Yeah, I don't know. Now, Robert Matheson, the professor I mentioned earlier that formatted the copy of Aradia that I read, he dismisses Ron Hutton's third assertion that Charles Leland made up Madalena because allegedly we have early copies, like early drafts of Aradia when he was in the process of proofreading. Mm. And the edits and decisions Charles makes from rough draft to rough draft makes sense as a proofreader and a translator not as like an original writer editing their own work. Okay, so we think it's number one or number two. Like either it's real or Madalena lied. Yeah, Madalena ha- like should have been a fiction writer, a fantasy writer, or it's real. And it's like so wild that brothers and sisters are fucking all the time. I don't know. Back then, like you didn't know that many people. You're like, ah, you know, I love my brother. Maybe I should love my brother. Yeah, I mean, you're going through your sexual awakening, but you're on the farm 100 miles from anyone else. And who are you going to fuck? The donkey? Like, you're not supposed to. It's frowned upon if you fuck the donkey. Not if you fuck the brother. It was a wild time. We are all somehow just creations of incest. Like, let's be honest with ourselves, okay? (laughs) Okay, okay. We love pugs. We love pugs. We love pugs. We don't want to think about where they come from, but we love them. (laughs) All right, all right. Finally, Aradia. So he gets the book. It goes to the presses in 1899, and you would think this would be fucking prime time we found the witch's success. Like, Rasputin is in the depths of his epiphany. Carl Keldner from the Ordo Templi Orientis is seeking the answers to life in orgies in India. Aleister Crowley has just joined the Order of the Golden Dawn. Like, the world wants magic. 
We want magic and we want it now. Yeah, exactly. And after 11 years of waiting, unfortunately, Aradia is a big dud. <gasps> oh, no. And Charlie probably had to have a big lie down and contemplate the decisions of his life with his leafy shoes and his leaving wife. And if only he knew. Like my, it's kind of like Vincent Van Gogh. Not that I'm like equating fully Charles Leland to Vincent Van Gogh. So the mastery of Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if he only knew that in half a century, his book would influence probably the world's most magical and most naked religion, Wicca. Like, how he would feel. Like, I just want to give him that validation. That's pretty cool. You deserve it, Charles. You did good. So our weird little witchy grandpa, Gerald Gardner, would never say outright the word Aradia, but it's pretty obvious either he or someone he worked with during the creation of Wicca had read the book. I mean, like, right off the bat, the charge of the goddess is so similar to the first chapter of Aradia. The goddess in Wicca is literally referred to sometimes as Diana or Aradia. And I would like make an additional point that Aradia being written in Italian is very sing-songy and rhymes a lot in so much of post-war incantation writing like that comes out of Wicca is also similarly rhythmic and sing-songy. That's interesting. Like there's a tempo to it. Exactly, exactly. At the end of the Gospel of Witches, there's a collection of contemporary writings about how witches feel about Aradia, and some people really love it. They find that it resonates with them, especially the Italian diaspora. Several of the writers mention that when their grandparents immigrated to the U.S. from Italy, they had to lose so much of their culture as a survival tactic, like very classic American dream tale as old as time, right? Mm -hmm. Assimilation. Yeah, like you're really just trying not to get the shit kicked out of you. And I would also say like very similarly for like the Irish diaspora, they retain one thing and that one thing is superstition. And for many Italian-American witches, Aradia affirms the origins and validity of their family's folk beliefs and superstitions. I would also say, like, there's so much romantic language in Aradia. Like, once you get over all of the incantations bullying the gods and demanding that they do your bidding, like, you'll get gems like, for every woman is at heart a witch. Ooh, right? love like, that. That's, like, sparkly. That's golden. Here's another one. The sun does not shine on half the forbidden deeds which the moon witnesses. For the moon is the protectress of the strange and secret. Ooh, what's happening in the moonlight? That's like the chills, dude. Like, yeah, of course you'd love this. And Aradia rewards those who truly believe in magic within their hearts. There's a section that states, prayer, far from being answered, will turn to the contrary or misfortune unless the one who repeats it does so in fullest faith. And this cannot be acquired by merely saying to oneself, I believe. The faith has to be real for it to work. You can't just be like, oh yeah, I believe in this, and then it'll, no. You gotta change the chemistry of your brain. You have to capital B believe. You have to know. You gotta bumblebee believe. Mm -hmm. However, and of course there is a however, lots of neo-pagans do not fuck with this book. They don't like it. They don't want to hear about it. First off, I think more than any religion right now, I guess I can't speak for like every religion ever, but right now when you and I are alive and like beautiful and young, mm -hmm. I think more than any religion, neo-pagans are very concerned with authenticity because they're in a very insecure position historically. So Wicca isn't even 100 years old. It's very new. And even if you don't subscribe to magic as a religious practice, you are having to dig through so much made up Lord of the Rings bullshit, almost entirely on this like foolhardy faith that there is something there. And it makes you so suspicious of anything that seems too magical. Like, I don't know if you've had this experience, even just like researching for this podcast where I'm like, yeah, Angel Fire ain't the best <laughs> like resource, right? It's been around since the dawn of the internet, but not necessarily the best resource. So this book, which is also only about 100 years old and comes with like all of this baggage, I would be very careful about taking it at face value. And additionally, Aradia comes in like real hot with a big ask of modern witches, which is that God's not real, but Lucifer is? Like if you've been trying to disconnect your earth-based faith from Satanism, basically since its inception, what a wild choice to make your creator God the devil. Would it just be God's not real, but Diana is God? 
Is that the whole equivalent, I guess? But then to use Lucifer, that word, yeah, is like directly related to Satan in the Bible. Mm-hmm. At least in the book we read, it doesn't say Lucifer, who is the god of the underworld, Hades, like in charge of death. It doesn't say that at all. So he could Correct. be a certain, a different person. But then you're also right, like have a new fucking name. Yeah. Like you're immediately attaching the two, even if they're trying to be two separate entities. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like, I love the word witch. Mm-hmm. I love that word. And I feel immense connection to that term. If fucking Gerald Gardner had just called us anything else. I'm not a Wiccan, but like if Gerald Gardner or any of these fucking like earth-based religions had just decided to use any other word, I think it would have become way more popular. Yeah. Because the word witch comes with, the word Lucifer comes with baggage. Mm -hmm. You can't be like, no, 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 it's different. Because it exists in the world. Yeah. It's like the Hitler stash. You're already looking at like the culture of the word when using it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's very interesting. What a wild book. Oh, thank you for reading it with me. Yeah. I had no, it's kind of like when, it wasn't the secret. What did we read? The, well. Steps of Influencing People. Malleus Maleficarum. Was there another book we read? There was a book that we read, but didn't talk about on the podcast, which was that the book Donald Trump read and the. And the woman that oh. was winning all of the sweepstakes, the sweepstakes winning was woman. Was it the read power of positive thinking or something like that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then we were like, there's so much God in this. Yeah. We had like an off podcast discussion. Shocker. We talk off the podcast? It's not rarely. No, we're only alive when we're podcasting. Or when I'm sending you memes. Oh, that too. So how do you feel like, like after reading this book, how do you feel about like its context? How do you feel about the way it's written? I think there are a few things from the book that you could do, like the consecrations to Diana, like blessing the food and everything. If Diana is your goddess of choice, I think implementing those makes a lot of sense. I was like, it's so interesting, the Italian to English translations, because it's like, this is what you would say when you're consecrating the food. Shit does sound witchier. In Italian Mm -hmm. than in English. Mm -hmm. So I was like, they're on the money with that, which is very fascinating. But I don't know about, like, the love spell per se. I don't know if that would do anything. I love the little, like, Genesis-esque story. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm kind of, like, mixed. I think this was a very good book to lift up those who are already like, yep, Diana's my goddess. I believe in Diana. She is the one I follow. Like, then this is a great book for you to read. If you wanted to find out anything about Aradia, this was an awful book to read. Yeah. Because not much, not much in there. Yeah, for being her namesake. Yeah. Or the gospel of witches. Like, I'm not really sure what the gospel part was. Is it just the stories? Is it just that first mm-hmm. story? I'm not really sure. Leland just, like, really filled it with a bunch of filler. Mm-hmm. Filled it with filler. I mean, yeah, just packed it full of like all of this stuff where he was like, well, this wasn't in the gospel, but I do think it's relevant. And I'm like, was this manuscript 20 pages? Yeah. Our like little Beauty and the Beast story. He specifically was like, this one's interesting. It's like, okay. It should have been more like, which notes about Diana? Something like that. Yeah. Than Aradia or the gospel of the witches. It's like, Okay. I don't know how gospel-y. Honestly, I think it's missing some hymns. Yep. I think I need some songs in there. Maybe some rules. I feel like there should be more rules. Like, mm-hmm. don't wear this type of cloth. Maybe that's, you know. And maybe, it's a gospel. like, instruction. Like, there needed to be, at some point, like, okay, you prick your finger, you rub blood on this book, and you have dedicated your life to Diana and witchcraft and mm-hmm. fucking your brother. Something like that. Yeah. Or holidays. Or a holiday. Come on. Give us something to look forward to. Give us a Dianamis. Oh, a Dianamis. I love that. Last last full moon of the year. Dianamis. Oh. Yeah. I think it could have been more. And I don't know. It kind of makes me want us to write <laughs> our infactual witchy gospel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun. And then you do this. And then you take off all your clothes and walk around the block. 
<laughs> you make the cone of power. <laughs> and you defeat the Nazis. You know, good shit like that. Yeah. If you want more good shit like that, continue listening to more episodes of this show that we make. Yeah, because this was our first episode back for season six. And honestly, I had a good time. This was a wild ride. And there will be even more wilder roller coasters to come. And with that, we'd like to thank our producer, Marcel Perez, our creative director, Mallory Jordan, and Kevin McLeod, whose music we use in our intro and outro each week. He is a legend. Thank you so much, Kevin. I'd also really like to thank Yana and anyone else who's written a podcast review. You can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And just like, it means so much to us. It really helps us head up the charts for people to discover us. We don't advertise anywhere, so we really only work exclusively off of word of mouth. So yeah, so head over to Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, write something, write anything. It costs you nothing, and it means everything to me. And if you want to find me, Alicia, I'm on Instagram at Alicia period herder. If you want to find Miss Tara, just Tara. Just Tara. Just Tara. I'm on Instagram at her lovely face. That's my art Instagram. We're also on Instagram as which yes. Share an episode in your stories. Tag us and we'll feature you in our stories. And, and if you don't like Instagram, you could also go to our Discord server, which is very fun, very flirty, very fanatical, very fanciful. And that's just in our show notes. So in the show notes of each episode, we have a link to our Discord server. You can join it, be part of a witchy community. You don't have to be doing witchcraft alone. You can have friends. We're letting you have friends, and it's completely free of charge. And really cool friends. Like, the people that listen to the show are not, like, they're not, like, those kind of witches. You know yeah. those kind of witches? Like, Momo Stinky. sent me a Yule card. That is so sweet. So sweet. You can also find us on Patreon. $5 Patreon, witches and above, are getting two extra episodes a month. So while we were sleeping, getting this first episode released, they've already had... An episode come out. Two episodes come out? I don't know. Time is an illusion. $10 and above gets access to our close friends and more. Plus, any early access. It's all on the Patreon. We also ask before we research every episode if anyone on our Patreon has questions about the topic at hand. So they're in the know. The Patreon, which is no more than you think. They know more than... That's scary. Well, they know more than us. That's for sure. And if you don't like the socials, you can always email us at witchespodcast at gmail.com. We check it. We do. And we Sometimes. Respond. Sometimes. And this has been Witch, Witch Yes. Bye, guys. Bye. I love you. See you next Happy time. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, how's the song go? At last, my love is on my own. That's what this episode kind of feels like. Yeah. At last. We were sick. <laughs> we were sickies. Not our fault. <laughs>